With gratitude, I greet you with the grace, mercy, and peace that are ours in God, our Creator, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. I must confess, I have been worried and distracted by many things. Perhaps I am not alone. I've been worried about the 12 to 20 million people in the United States whose existence is not fully recognized through compassionate and reasonable pathways to the benefits and resources of global and national citizenship. I have been worried about the many millions more who set out for refuge and do not arrive at their intended destinations. I have been worried about the 21 to 30 million people who are trafficked, held against their will, and enslaved around the world and within the United States even today. I have been worried about heightening tension and violence between Israelis and Palestinians unable to find a common road to justice and peace. I have been worried about the extinction of species, the warming of the planet, and the rising sea levels. I have been worried about the significance of 1% of the richest people within the world possessing almost 50% of the world's currency commoditized wealth. I have been worried about the deployment and maintenance of troops and officials around the world in the name of peace, but in fact for the purposes of discipline and punishment. I have been worried about the higher mortality rates and 12-year lower life expectancies among lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer people living in homophobic contexts than those living in places where we are accepted. I have been worried about the 917 people that the police have killed in the United States in this year alone, 220 of whom were black, 387 of whom were people of color. I have been worried that these conditions that deny the dignity and creaturely needs of countless individuals and disproportionately targeted communities will not ever reach just resolution. Perhaps I am not alone. And there is a sense in which all of these things that we have to worry about could very well be articulated as worries of justice. Surely we all have a sense of what justice is. Brother Sandel has built on the legacy of Brother Rawls effectively enough for us to understand the contours, the intersections, the interstices, and the complexities of this thing that we call justice. Justice is a matter of how we distribute and how we value things. It is a matter of how we agree to live together, taking one another's full isness as individuals and communities seriously. But is justice something about which we should worry? Jesus asks his disciples, if God dresses up the grass in the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into an oven, won't God care for you even more, you who don't take anything for granted? Jesus, of course, is not alone in his recommendation that we set aside the worry, that proclivity which a dear grandmother in the faith has specified as the sin to which the writer of Hebrews refers as that sin which doth so easily beset us. Strengthened in the wisdom of the Buddha, the eighth century Buddhist monk Shantideva urges, if the problem can be solved, why worry? If the problem cannot be solved, worrying will do you no good. For worry, a state of anxiety or a state of being troubled with cares, often characterized by a particular concern with the promotion of one's own self-interest, there is no allowance 
for those who would be among the faithful followers of Jesus. Yet, many questions remain when we consider the sixth chapter of Matthew that is echoed in Luke 12 and Thomas 36. These are questions of distribution and value. These are questions of justice. To assuage the worry of his followers, Jesus suggests that because God provides for creatures that human beings have deemed less valuable or of lower significance than themselves, surely God has, does, and will provide for human beings. Yet we know that the reasoning of the disciples often comes up short, and maybe even that of Jesus sometimes too. Ask the Syrophoenician woman. Perhaps the value of human beings and other creatures are not comparable in this way. Perhaps even if we accept that God is, God has no obligation to do and or value any two creatures the same way. Perhaps the birds that have fallen from the sky or have died drunk on spilled oil are indications that God no longer cares for them or for us. Yet, Jesus coaxes us out of the stickiness of worry, giving a clear and different assignment to those of us with the time and energy to ponder such things. You are to seek God's domain and God's justice first, and all these things will come to you as bonus. Yes, the justice of God, that is, the integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting, rightly distributing and valuing, that is what we are to seek. Jesus thus presses us beyond the worry of justice, how and whether the things we think we need will be distributed, and how and whether we will be valued. Jesus instead assigns us new work to do, the work of seeking the distribution and valuation of a different divine kind. Facing the peculiar struggles of poverty, racism, and sexism during the 1930s, the now-renowned Harlem Renaissance writer Zora Neale Hurston often wrote to one of her benefactors, Charlotte Osgood Mason. Though on many occasions Hurston addressed her own concerns, anxieties, and perhaps even worries, there is a point at which Hurston addresses her benefactor's worries. She writes, I'm trying to get some bone in my legs so that you can see me standing so that I shall cease to worry you. Thus, I feel that I must let no grass grow under my feet. I don't need to call upon your ebbing strength for every little thing. So I shall wrestle me up a future or die trying. For Hurston, the space beyond worry her own worry and that of her benefactor was a devotion to working to be the person she knew she was meant to be, to realize the purpose she knew she was meant to manifest, to wrestle up a future or die trying. And what does that work, such wrestling up of a future, entail? The work of justice requires the internal quieting of our less admirable motivations. Our supposed worry for justice often masks noble interests and motivations that are not at all themselves just. In fact, it is often not our daily needs or the daily needs of others about which we are most concerned, but rather our timeless wants and the management thereof for others. It is not basic food, 
drink, clothes, and shelter that might facilitate our worship of the divine, but rather position, power, status, and notice such that we ourselves supplant the divine. Truly, this was the critical misstep of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in Mark 10, when they asked Jesus, grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory explaining a distinction of the movement for black lives that has been growing in the United States, Philadelphia activist Hakeem Pitts explains that the movement which rejects the model of identifying a single leader is not leaderless, but leaderful. Such a normative model of leaderful work deconstructs the egotism that lurks beyond, behind the question of who will take care of our distributive and valuing needs and wants a question that skulks behind the matter of whether an objective will be accomplished. The work of justice requires prioritization, direction, and redirection of our energies toward those things that are necessary for now. Jesus clearly reminds those following him that fretting is neither productive nor necessary. In fact, worry never fits the order of faithfulness. Like Hurston, we who feel the pressures and pains of the everyday, we who meet injustice at every turn, we who observe, sometimes enable, but ultimately attempt to intercept the collision of injustices with our cohabitants on this earth, we who have seen the lightning flashing and heard the thunder roll, have felt sin's breakers dashing, trying to conquer our souls, we are charged to release the worry of justice. Such release is necessary for the work of wrestling up a future. It is necessary for now. When we release the worry of justice, we are free to pursue the work of justice. We are reoriented, redirected, and charged with the work instead of, instead of the worry of justice, cultivating such justice for ourselves and our communities. The work of justice requires an acceptance that we may not understand the holy of holies or the nature of care expressed thereby, and yet the care is integral to the nature and character of the holy of holies. We might put it another way. We may not understand God or God's current form of care, and that God yet does care. No. Holy of Holies does not care in the form of worry that Hurston discerned in her benefactor, Mrs. Mason. But Holy of Holies does have a vested interest in a sacred order. Jesus tried to explain this to his disciples saying, take a look at the birds in the sky. They don't plant or harvest or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. The prophet Joel tried to explain this to his readers saying, do not fear, O soil. Do not fear, you animals of the field. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God. For God has given the early rain for your vindication. God has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the later rain as before. And Jesus again on another occasion attempts to clarify this truth for James and John. To sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And two, the voice of God tried to explain this to a befuddled and finally resigned Job through rhetorical questions like, who provides for the raven? It's prey. 
when its young ones cry to God and wander about for lack of food. The Prophet Muhammad encourages us even by the remembrance of Allah, hearts are assured. We may not understand God or God's current form of care, and yet God does care. Hurston recorded the following story among others collected in Every Tongue Got to Confess. It is a story Hurston ascribed to Arthur Hopkins and or Eugene Oliver that might help us on the journey of working for justice with the peace of divine care and accompaniment. The story goes thusly. Once the hounds was chasing a fox and had run him all night long. And soon the next morning, he was running across the mountain and looked back and seen the sun rising all red. He said to himself, doggone my, my running soul, I done set the world on fire. For those of us who dare to do the work of justice, wrestling up a future or dying trying, it often feels like a race from injustice and toward unknown future. Indeed, the work of justice does not always reveal a clear horizon, yet we must race toward it unencumbered. Yes, beyond the burdensome worry of justice is the work of justice. And when our days break, the dissonant growls of injustices giving way to the harmonies of liberty, or as the old saints would say, when I can read my title clear, we must be careful to see well with the eyes of our souls. Let us not look from whence we have come and reckon ourselves the source of the light that has distracted the hounds of injustice and permeated the entire atmosphere. Instead, let us remember that it is the all-wise, the unspeakable, the invisible, and to some the all-powerful, the all-loving, holy of holies, and to others God, Allah, or Oludumare, who sets a sacred order that is beyond both our worry and even our work. So we run on through the night, run full of the faith that the dark past has taught us, run full of the hope that the present has brought us, run over a way that with tears has been watered, run treading the pa our path through the blood of the slaughtered, lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. We run, blinded in the light that draws us beyond the worry, through the work, and into the essence of justice. <laughs>